This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For many years now, companies have allowed employees, some of them, to work remotely, whether that was on a full-time basis or a couple of days a week. But now, could we be seeing signs of a change in that philosophy? You may remember a couple of years ago that Yahoo, under Marissa Mayer at that point, uh, decided that they wanted to change policy and have their employees working in-house. And now IBM has decided to bring many of their workers back into the office as well. So the question we ask is, could this be part of a little shift that is taking place in the workplace? We pose that question and many others to Wharton's Peter Capelli, professor of management, and he's also director of the Center for Human Resources here at the Wharton School. Good to see you, Peter. Thanks for coming in. Thank you, Dan. And may I say it's a pleasure to be on the best news show on radio. Thank uh, you. How are we doing? Oh, the producers are saying thumbs up on that one. So there we go. <laughs> Thank you. Great, go. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, I'll, I'll pose the question to you at the top. Is this IBM change, is it the exception or is it could be the rule moving forward with companies? I think it's the exception, but let me back up a little bit yep. and talk about why some of this is is interesting. Uh, if you turn back the clock and you talk to older folks who, let's say, retired uh, a few years ago from the corporate world, and you ask them, what do the initials IBM stand for? Yeah. Uh, do you know the joke, what it stood no. for? It stood for, I've been moved, because <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> at IBM, they used to move you around all the time to different offices in the company. Uh, and then more recently, the joke was that IBM stood for I'm by myself. Oh, really? And okay. the reason was because IBM had moved pretty aggressively into hoteling, which uh, about 20 years ago now, I guess during the 1990s, was a big wave of trying to reduce re um, uh, office space. Correct, yeah. So that uh, you had... Your office was kind of mobile. You worked away from the office most of the time anyway, so we don't actually give you an office. When right. you come back to the physical location, you were assigned a temporary office. And companies did this as a way to save on space, and, of course, it, it did save a ton of money uh, in doing that. So I think there was a, a kind of a back-and-forth, a little back-and-forth movement on this over time. The initial problem always was that many people on the management side assumed that if we weren't watching you, you weren't working. And so even when it might have made perfect sense for people to work away from the office, they didn't want you to do it because right. they figured you were just goofing around right. uh, when you weren't in the office. Um, I think as efforts to empower employees increased and we gave people more authority and the problems of commuting got worse. So one of the big things that pushed this along, particularly out west in Silicon Valley and places in California where commuting times, it's really skyrocketed, yeah. was the problem that people were spending hours in their car. And you know if they're spending often four hours a day commuting uh, and they could have spent that time at home, at least for employees who are exempt from the Fair Labor's Act. You don't yep. have to pay them per hour. Uh, that seemed like a smart thing to do. So it wasn't saving real estate uh, cost. 
it was commuting time mainly. So then why the change now? Because seemingly a lot of those issues are probably still in play. Yeah. Uh, we do have obviously the technology that allows employees to be able to communicate with other employees rather easily over their computers. Right. Uh, the conversation that that IBM is bringing forward is that it is about productivity. Yeah. And part of this is also is seemingly the fact that if you look at the numbers of IBM, it's 20 straight quarters of declining productivity with that company right now. Yeah, so uh, just to continue the story a little bit here, I think uh, that movement to allow people to work from home made perfect sense for many employees, but not for all employees. Right. right. It never did. So if you think about employees who are doctors, let's say, right? I mean, it's hard for a doctor to work from home. It's hard for a plumber to work from home. Right. Uh, so it, it never made sense for everybody to do. So we were really thinking only about certain white-collar jobs. And it made perfect sense for people who were working with some autonomy to be at home. Right. And so we started to see some studies of this, and that worked really well, and lots of evidence that not just on real estate, but on productivity grounds, this was a really good thing, and employees liked it a lot. The first pushback you saw on this was in Silicon Valley, also the place that helped pioneer it in the first place. And that was companies like Google, who made all these efforts, you know, the wonderful things they do for employees at work. Mm -hmm. The point of that is to keep people at work. Yep. The reason you get subsidized food and dinners and lunches is so you wouldn't leave the building. And the reason that you can bring your dog to work is so you don't have to go home and let feed her out yeah. and feed her and that sort of stuff, right? Uh, and they thought they were on to something in having everybody there, but it was this quirky, you know, uh, everybody else is letting people work from home. So I think the problem here was really this kind of one-size-fits-all thinking, right? And that means, is it a good thing or a bad thing? Right. And the answer, which, by the way, is the answer for everything in business, is it depends. Right. right. And I think what is happening at <laughs> IBM is that IBM has adopted a different way of doing business. And it is a fundamental Difference. It is something we're going to be talking about more and more, I think. And this is the development of more agile-based ways of doing projects. And when we say agile, this goes back to the software industry. And agile was a kind of reaction to planning and top-down programs for producing software. So the idea that we would give you a budget and we would say, Dan, here's the software. Here's what we want it to look like when it's done. Yeah. And we want you to document everything along the way. And we want it reviewed while you're doing it. And there's going to be timelines along the way and intermediate goals, financial planning applied to software. Uh, the programmers figured out a long time ago this didn't work very well. And it wasn't a particularly good way to do it. And so the folks at, I, at Adobe in 2001 kind of codified for the first time, what a lot of people have been thinking, and that's an alternative way of doing projects mm -hmm. and something that is much more collaborative, done in groups, done without formal timelines, done with budgets that are flexible. We need more resources right now. Let's crack the problem. Mm -hmm. We need to get people in together, and we need feedback from those people in order to figure out whether things are working right and fix them if they aren't. So I think what IBM has invested in is an alternative way of doing projects. And uh, that is a way that involves collaboration and where the idea is you really need people together in order for this to work. So that's the idea. And that doesn't mean that it doesn't make sense for other people right. in other organizations 
to work from home. And the boundaries on that are always changing. For example, we said earlier doctors can't work from home. Well, they kind of do. They can, yeah, right? Yeah. They can uh, ask you if that rash got worse, right. and, you know, and is it really bleeding? And, you know, plumbers can too. Turn off that valve and see if it's still leaking, right? Uh, so I think the big challenge going forward uh, first will be some companies will do it. Other companies won't. They'll right. bring people back in. Others will let them work from home. The first challenge is going to be a lot of companies are very nervous doing things they feel out of step with everybody else. Right. So yep. for a long time, the way to get ahead in the corporate world was to copy just what other big companies or leading companies were doing, mm -hmm. and that looked like you were doing best practice. That right. was the phrase, you know. What's the best practice right now? Which is another way of saying what are the leading companies doing? Well, right now, if you're talking about work from home, you're all over the map. Right? You can get best companies or really good companies doing all kinds of different things. So the first problem is companies actually have to think about this and think about does it make sense for us to do this or not. The second big challenge, uh, which is maybe a harder one, is that most companies have had historically a model of managing people, which is a one-size-fits-all model. Right. We got policies for everybody, and we want to treat everybody kind of equally because we're kind of all in this together. Now, the problem here is that if you, if you think about it, as we just described, some people in your company could work from home. It's not going to make much difference. Probably would save some money and time right. if they work from home. Others, you really want them there because the kind of work they're doing is very different. So how are you going to manage in the same company to treat two different groups of employees differently when your whole you know, organization has been based around treating everybody the same. Right. And actually, a lot of employment law is based on that, that everybody ought to get the same treatment for pensions, for benefits, for, you know, all kinds of things. Uh, and so that's, I think, the big dilemma for companies now. Well, and, and that means it's also going to be, uh, I would think, uh, a, a, not only a shift in mindset, but a, a shift in, uh, in in actually how you perform a, a lot of these issues going forward. And as you say, you're going to have one division of a company have one set of rules and another set of uh, rules for another division in a company. And and it, I guess the other question is, is do, do some of these companies fear this also because of the potential loss of employees to other companies, you know, moving from one company to the other? Yeah, that's a, a great question. I think uh, the companies that have bought this different way of working seem to be pretty committed to it. So what's different about this than other management practices is this has come from the top down. So these are the business leaders at companies like GE and Microsoft and, and IBM yeah. have decided this is the way we do business. Innovation is really what's important for us. And this is the way to get innovation. Right. And there's all sorts of problems inside the companies about things that don't fit with that model. The biggest one is actually in finance. It's not in managing people. It's the financial controls that companies like GE were famous for, you know, top-down financial budgets that were tight, accountability, all that kind of stuff. And that's got to yield to this different way of doing work. So, you know, will it yield or not? I mean, so far, I think in, in the companies that are really buying agile approaches, it, it's... They're changing stuff who's, internally. Who's really making that call, though, then, at, at, to, to make a shift like this for IBM? Is this coming from the board of directors? Is this coming from Gina Rometty, you know, the CEO? Where, where is it coming from? Yeah, I think it's coming from the operating committee and their yeah. figure. Well, I think the board is probably, in general direction terms, saying 
innovation really is the key. Sure. You know, at companies, uh, here's an example of one that's doing stuff like this, ING, right? The Dutch okay. bank. Yeah. And what they've decided is a strategy call. They've decided that, you know, really the way we compete is with software, that uh, in order to be customer focused, that's what gives us a competitive advantage. So we're, we're kind of increasingly a software company and increasingly less like a regular bank. Right. So if we're like a software company, how do you get good at software? Well, you got to do it this way. So I think it's coming from the top down. It's coming from strategy. That's why it's likely to stick. But the interesting question is when you come to managing people, there's all kinds of biases that are deeply felt in executive ranks. Right? Sure. Like a lot of executives really believe in competition among employees. They really believe in things like forced rankings, for example. And all kinds of evidence showing that it doesn't work still doesn't uh, dissuade them from it because they believe it as kind of a value, a personal value. Right. So in a context like this, you know, personal values come up against a different way of managing practices. And will those yield? Now, that's going to be the interesting thing. You know, the company says, okay, we're going to adopt Agile. But then you start working through it and you look at what it means in terms of maybe how we manage employees or how we do budgeting and things like that. Are they willing to yield on all those things which have been embedded in a different value system. That's going to be interesting to watch. We are joined by Peter Capelli, the Wharton School Professor of Management, Director of the Center for Human Resources. We're talking about the move by IBM uh, to have its employees come back and work in the office rather than have them working remotely. 844-942-7866 is the number to give us a call. There's something to said to be said about working remotely from time to time. I mean, I, I'm looking at a gentleman right now that, that he he loves to work remotely from time to time, and but he does a phenomenal job in yep. the operations that that he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. So I, I mean, I f- I find it interesting that are we going to get to a point where not only is it you know person to person or division to division, but could we get to the point where this becomes project to project? Right. I mean, you want to have yep. all of these people in on this project for. Six months, twelve months, whatever it may be, right. project is done. Mm-hmm. You may have two months downtime. You know, are the people able to, you know, float back to what we're talking about? You know, working from home part time, and then when the next project comes up, okay, you're back all in. Yeah, no, that's a really interesting question. And one of the things we know is that uh, what drives these decisions is rarely anything about whether the employees are comfortable doing them or not. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of people who find this kind of change really discomforting. And there may be people who feel, for example, look, I'm only good working on my own. So if time comes for me to be involved in a project where you want me in with everybody else, maybe that's a time I need to do something else, right? Because I'm okay. just not yeah. suited for this. Yeah. So the interesting thing will be, as you alluded to this earlier, there are a bunch of people right now who have organized their lives around being able to work from home. Right. And that's true in IBM as well, right? And one of the big questions for them is, okay, now they're called back in. The company's got a different business model, a different orientation. Right. And uh, are they going to do it or not? 
This right. is this is putting some of, uh, of the IBM employees in a little bit of a pinch in terms of the time frame of of how they are announcing this and how they are going to implement it. Right. F- some employees have been quoted in uh, former employees, I guess I should say now, quoted an article saying they gave me basically 30 days to decide whether I wanted to work in the office, which could be several hundred miles away right. from where I currently live. Right. So right. to a degree, this is putting some employees in a bit of a tough spot. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I guess in fairness to the to the company, they aren't doing what a lot of companies did in situations like that, and it's just firing everybody. Right, that's <laughs> right? true. And yeah. go bring new people in. Yeah. Uh, IBM has been pretty good about trying to find innovative ways to hang on to their employees, and I suppose it is also possible to do what many people do in the corporate world now, and that is for a while, until you can move your family and yourself physically, yeah. you are going back and forth or you're in temporary housing or Live something like Live in a hotel, like yeah, exactly. Uh, which is, you know, it's not great, but lots and lots of people have to do that. So, you know, I think the other big thing that's interesting about this, just for us to remember, with all the talk about technology, with all the talk about, you know, new things coming down the, the pike and in artificial intelligence and stuff like that, here's a change which is really altering the way business works, and yeah. it's an idea, yeah. right? It's a method of doing work. It is not a piece of technology. Yeah. It is not competition from China. It is an idea, and we really don't pay enough attention to that, the extent to which ideas, values, ideology really drives how businesses operate. Well, and I guess this is something that obviously the, to find out this type of data moving <laughs> forward would be something that you know will be in play here is just what the economic impact will be for IBM yep. by making this shift. Yep. Does productivity do a U-turn and do they start seeing positive numbers? You know, what yep. is that growth percentage that that the the corporate structure of IBM is looking to hit? Right. In the next year or next two years. So, I mean, this is all data coming forward that will obviously be very interesting, not only for IBM, but for yep. other companies as well. And, you know, one of the things we, we know as kind of researchers is that actually being able to nail this stuff down is really, really difficult. Yeah. So I think yeah. one of the problems IBM has got, so suppose you do this in the next two quarters, things don't look very good. What do you do? Right. Uh, do you wait it out? How do you decide how much leeway or time to give this thing? Well, in favor of waiting is lots of other companies that have also made the same move, like General Electric, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Which has also made the same move, not quite as far along, I'd say, as IBM is plunging on this right now, but the same basic idea. And there are lots of other companies like Procter & Gamble, even, who are also moving in similar directions because they think innovation is appropriate. So I think if you're you know, the operating committee at, at IBM, or you're the CEO, and you're looking at this and saying, okay, what should we do? Well, looking around at what seems to work elsewhere, you know, it's this project-based agile approach, got to be here. Yeah. Uh, so we're shifting in that direction. What if it doesn't work for us in the short term? How do we know whether this is bad execution? How do we know whether it's other things about us that have to be changed, that we're not not in conflict internally in some way? Or how do we know if this really is just not going to work for us? And that's, you know, those are really (laughs) tough calls because the evidence is never going to be really clear on that. And and that's going to be an exceptionally hard call for the people that are trying to disseminate that information, especially at the C-suite level. Uh, You know, they have a a history of how business has been successful for, you know, if you're in the C-suite, probably you've been there for quite some time. Right. You've seen it over 20, 30, 40 years, whatever that, that period of time is. Right. Now you're talking about 
almost making a right turn yeah. and going in a different direction. Yeah, and in fairness, IBM did that already, right? When they came out of the early 1980s and the personal computers were coming in. Sure, yeah. And they were stuck in the mainframe business. Yeah. And they were extremely top-down and long-term planning on everything, and none of that was working. And they made a radical shift for them. There's probably no company more committed to lifetime employment than IBM was. Yeah. And they moved in a completely different direction. It wasn't that long ago. A lot of people at IBM are still around who remember that. Right. So I think that probably gives them some belief that they can do it again. And I think also if you're at the top and you're thinking, okay, well, what do we do if we don't do this? There's not a lot of interesting options unless you want to just get out of the company quickly. And I guess if you're an investor, you want to say, well, it's good that they're taking the long-term view on this, right? Yeah. Peter Capelli joining us here in studio, professor of management and director of the Center for Human Resources here at the Wharton School. Your comments welcome at 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Seemingly more and more companies, though, are going to, they, they feel like they are going to go this path because just on the, as you mentioned, on the project kind of philosophy, they want input, companies do, from right. three or four different divisions in terms of how a project is actually going to come together. It brings unity together. It brings a, you know, a, a, a much, uh, much more unified feeling amongst the company as right. well. So, I mean, that's... That's kind of the pattern, seemingly, that a lot of companies are trying to go right now anyway. You know, the interesting thing about that is that in most companies that have any kind of IT department of any size, they've been doing this for a while. Yeah. And it's been existing quietly in parallel with the way the rest of the company works. Right. And it's quite remarkable. Almost nobody talks about it. So I looked the other day because it's something I'm, I'm uh, trying to study at uh, this issue of Agile, and I was looking in the published literature on this, and there's about 1,500 or 2,000 articles written about Agile software development. Yeah. There's almost nothing written about any of this outside of software development, almost nothing, hmm. right? So you have this alternative model inside companies that's been underway in a big way for at least a decade, and yeah. some people would say two decades in various forms. And it's been under the radar of the rest of the business world, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, the it, it, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens when it tries to spread to other businesses, you know, other parts of the business. I, you know, IT yeah. is its own special planet, some people think, you know. Not a lot of people go into the IT departments, you know. They don't know what goes on there. They just know software comes out somehow at the other end. And, uh, you know, is this going to help them, the fact that they've already got this going, or is it just going to irritate people when they discover, really? <laughs> you yeah. know, the IT folks have been doing this without any financial controls for they how were, many years? They were the smart ones, <laughs> right? Right, right. Or at least they were magicians back there. We don't know what they're going to do, what they're doing. So I think it, it's going to be a really interesting process of organization change. But again, I think the really big issues here are the values conflicts inside these companies, uh, the principles that they have operated under like the importance of financial control because one of the things that this approach does and again we're talking about this sort of agile way of doing projects lots of feedback lots of um, uh, effort to get people interacting collaboratively not a lot of planning right? right we're figuring it out as we go we're innovating we're making changes we don't actually know what the software is going to look like until we get it done 
And along the way, we're going to build something, and then we're going to try it out and fix it. So it'll be different even than the initial uh, prototype is, right? Um, how is that going to fit up against the power of finance, which has, over the last couple of decades, dominated the way companies operate, right? Yeah. It's top-down, here's the plan, here's the ROI we're expecting, tell us what the costs are, and if you say, oh, we won't know, uh, we're not sure about that, uh, we'll get back to you. Um, <laughs> that was that was taboo back in the day. That was a career-ending move before, right? right? right. Uh, and now it's not, uh, now it's not. So that's going to be a really, really interesting thing because it's going to start changing power in the companies. Is it is it something that, as you said, this has been going on for uh, you know a little bit of time now, but has kind of kind of been under the radar yeah. uh, for a, a lot of people that that don't think about this on the on the day to day basis that that you do. Yeah, uh, is it the expectation then that it may not necessarily be the work in the office, but that type of mindset is going to continue to develop and, and push forward? As we move, you know, into the next 50 years or so. Yeah, I think that's right. I think this idea of having to work back in the office on these things is um, is sort of the tip of the iceberg. It's just a manifestation yeah. of a bigger change. Uh, but taking you back to your, to your earlier points about, you know, what is this going to do inside the organizations having to come back into the office? Um, I think one of the problems of this approach of doing projects uh, is the other approach, the old one we had, planning forms, intermediate goals, all that sort of stuff, was quite predictable. It didn't work very well. Quite right. predictable. And it made your life as an employee or your life as a manager overseeing it right. much more predictable. Yeah. And so now, uh, if the process is unpredictable and you're a manager trying to watch this thing and you've got the finance guys still pestering you for the same level of accountability and you've got the employees who can't easily organize their life around the agile product development cycle. Right. So there's a crisis, you know, and a scrum is needed to come in there, <laughs> the group of people who work intensely to do this for the next week. And we didn't know it was coming, but it's right in the middle of my kid's little league. <laughs> you know, I mean, what's going to happen there, right? Yeah. And what we know so far in the past is family has yielded to these corporate demands, yeah. right? And they're likely to become more unpredictable as we move down this uh, pike. Right? Boy, that's going to be a dynamic to watch, to watch, see how that is going to play out. Because, I mean, people right. are so used to, well, many people are used to being able to work from home. Right. And, and uh, you mentioned the managers. It, it is going to throw a dynamic back on the managers yep. that many of them have not had to deal with for yeah. quite some time. No, I think that's right. And, you know, this was a much easier thing to do a few years ago when the unemployment rate was 7 or 8%. Sure, And yeah. everybody was pretty happy to have a job. Yeah. And in IT, of course, uh, you know, the labor market there has been kind of tight for a while, particularly for experienced people. On the other hand, this is how IT works everywhere. Yeah. So if you, if you move to this model, you're not necessarily at a competitive advantage because your employees don't like it because this is how they do things everywhere. But outside of IT, then maybe you do have a problem. You know, your product... Uh, managers and your brand managers and things like that. Yeah. And they're all on this cycle at your company, but they're not on this cycle elsewhere. And so somebody else promises them, look, you know, we can offer you a more realistic life. Yeah. So don't you want to come work for us? Because you got <laughs> exactly. kids and you're not going to see them here, you know. <laughs> and that's going to be another interesting pull on this, right? Yep. So Agile seems to be the way to do it, but there are a lot of constraints and it could at some point get so costly for you to do it this way that uh, it's not working, even though it's a better system. You know. 
Great to see you again, Peter. Thank you for coming in. Thank you. My pleasure. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.